Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and all that's in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And talking about adding a little bit of extra juice to the Flywheel, we have Blueberry Protocol on. Uh, it's new. Uh, he describes it as a DeFi terminal, DeFi's prime brokerage. Uh, it's launching January 23rd, uh, and he gives uh, he, you can tell he's a DeFi native and he's passionate. Uh, we have on Slater Heel, Slater Heel of Blueberry Protocol. He's passionate. You know, he's been working on this all the bear, ready to launch right <laughs> near ETF the ETF launch day. So exciting, exciting times ahead. Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, I think this one. I haven't said this in a long time, but this is the first one for 2024. But you guys got to bust out that pen and paper oh, and really write. This is, yeah. You, 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 de- yeah, you do. This one, this one got me excited, y'all. This one is the first design where I'm like, yo, this, this cat may have just cracked something here. Like this yeah. one got me excited. Well, when we had to ask him, wait, can you explain that again? And yeah. then we were like, oh, okay. And then that's how I knew you were going to ask that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, dude. It was, yeah. It was, it was, it was too good. It was too good. I, want, um, I wonder if you have more uh, crack out your notebooks to come. I, I hope so. I, I had a lot of fun this, this pod. So well, I, I if you want to catch it, make sure you hit that bell button. You subscribe right now. <laughs> Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on our socials on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Uh, make sure you go to our website, flywheeldefi.com. Go ahead and subscribe to our newsletter right now. And uh, make sure you follow me, yours truly, on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Flywheel. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here as always with Capital K. And this time around, we go in the fields. We check out Blueberry Protocol with their co-founder Slater Heal. Uh, Blueberry is, uh, we actually just uh, talked about it. It's, think about Binance, but for all of DeFi, a DeFi's prime brokerage. Uh, and they offer a whole loads of services and whole loads of options for our advanced DeFi traders out there, which I know is in this audience listening right now. So you're definitely want to pay attention. So Slater, thank you so much for coming on. Dave, thank you for having me. And that was an awesome introduction. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but before we start picking blueberries, I want to you know, pick a little bit in your background and hear a little bit about your story. How did you get into DeFi? How you got into crypto? And why did you start Blueberry? Because this is your first interview. I, this is definitely your first interview because I haven't found anything else. <laughs> yeah, I did a few smaller ones back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, for sure. Um, happy to give the background. So I actually started off in the commodities trading worlds. Uh, agricultural commodities is largely hedging uh, and some speculation, but uh, but uh, my family office actually runs one of the larger agricultural companies on the West Coast of the U.S. We buy like 80% of the corn, 80% of the wheat, and 90% of the rice in California. 
process it down and then trade around those inventories. And so that was kind of the world I grew up on. And I immediately got into trading when I was like 13, 14 years old, but it was trading boring stuff, right? I was like trading wheat and rice like around like news events. And, uh, and, uh, so worked kind of around that desk for a lot of high school and then out of college worked there for a few years as well. Um, and then actually cannabis got legalized in California and we had a lot of large scale agricultural resources. And so, I decided it made sense to kind of start my first own company with uh, El Dorado Group. And so it was one of the largest scale cannabis operations in the state and uh, just been legalized. So all of the regulations were kind of still developing. And, and it's really how I got interested in emerging markets in general and kind of pushing up against regulations and figuring out how to solve the problems and still comply. Um, and I ended up hating the industry. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting culture mm. and I got sick of it after a few years, but uh, the operation did pretty well. And I sold my stake in 2020. The only thing I could think about was DeFi and crypto since about 2017. And I spent probably more time there than mm-hmm. even the company I was running. Some days, <laughs> some days. But, uh, but basically just took all my money and put it into a DeFi fund called Zero One Capital and gave myself a full-time job to really learn how to operate in the space and what it takes to be a protocol founder. So managed that from 2020 to 2022 and just learned the space. And then it became pretty obvious that the bear market was hitting in 2022 and we had a good idea for a protocol, true generalized uh, native leverage uh, and a fully decentralized capacity felt more necessary than ever, especially after the events of 2022, you know, everybody wants to access leverage in this space, especially if it can be custom tailored and work and be compatible with all the activities that you can do in DeFi. Um, And in the wake of a lot of these centralized exchanges blowing up, we just felt like it's more important than ever to create a non-custodial, solution to do a lot of those things. So that was kind of the genesis of the idea for Blueberry. In the process, we actually uh, ended up launching a stablecoin product as well. So we kind of have an ecosystem of products mm-hmm. with Blueberry and then a stake up. That's the name of a, it's kind of a liquid staking stablecoin for USDC. We can get into that all a little bit later. Uh, I don't want to give uh, too long of an answer mm-hmm. here, but yeah, that's kind of my story and how I got into the space. I'm trying to imagine 13 year old Slater at the computer, <laughs> eyes glued to the news of wheat and whether it's a good harvest this year and whether or not to buy futures or not. I think it's pretty good. That wasn't very fun. good. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah. And then you probably had way more experience by the time you got out of college and uh, that jump into cannabis. And you, you often see the, the connection between cannabis and crypto, both emerging in- industries and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, I'm just like having that thought in my head. It's pretty funny to imagine, <laughs> but, uh, now, uh, we get into blueberry protocol, uh, cause I'm sure it's uh, evolved a lot since 2022, uh, kudos to you to start building in the bear and, uh, sticking through it, uh, not an easy thing to do as we know, uh, but getting into it, what is blueberry protocol and how does it differ from other lending platforms out there? For sure. So Blueberry Protocol, I kind of switched nomenclatures between one of two descriptions. Mm-hmm. One is a DeFi prime brokerage. I think that's probably the most accurate to the definition, but there mm-hmm. are also a lot of protocols, kind of different functions that also call themselves prime brokerages. So the way I've been explaining it recently is a DeFi terminal, kind of like a place where you can interact with the rest of DeFi. And there's a money market at the core that you can borrow from with leverage at step one and then do whatever your preferred action or set of actions is with that money to create your preferred DeFi position. So, you know, this could be something as simple as spot trading or spot trading with yielding assets, right? If you want to go long Steeth instead of just going long ETH 
or it could be something more complex, right? Where you're leverage farming on curve or aura, or maybe you're even taking multiple steps and starting by leverage farm, farming on curve and then taking that LP token, borrowing against it on sturdy, and then taking that money and doing something else with it. And Blueberry can kind of understand all of the different protocols interacting with each other. We do have to integrate these different strategies, but it truly is capable of levering any DeFi position, even if you're combining 20 things together in one kind of home base. <clears throat> so that's the goal this. is to be the I ultimate place where you can interact with the, with the rest of the space. And what kind of differentiates it at an architectural level is uh, understanding the intention. So a lot of times I'll call it intention uh, backed lending, where this is kind of how most lending works in TradFi, right? Where before you issue a loan, you understand where the loan is going and therefore you have a much better sense of the risk profile of the loan. So I'm going to use a pretty unrelated example, but hopefully the concept makes sense. For if you're buying a home, right? The home itself is the collateral and also you're living in the place. So you're far more likely to pay back the loan and it's a lot less risky of a loan to the bank because they understand that's your intention, right? Versus if you compare that to Aave, it's a completely custodial loan where the user has complete control over what they're doing with the money. And that's great, right? That's aligned with the ethos of Web3. People want freedom with what to do with their money. However, it does trade off capital efficiency for that freedom. And so you can offer much more capital efficient lending terms if you do understand the intention of a loan. So the way that Blueberry is designed works backwards from the intention to the collateral and debt asset and spits out a unique set of risk parameters that's optimized for that entire trade. So it's kind of like how a trap by prime brokerage would work. Rather than just kind of having an account-based system where your only lever is the LTV or you just have one max leverage of 10X, right? It's also a, a good design, but, uh, but again, just kind of trade some capital efficiency where you could actually offer a lot more leverage for Delta neutral trades and offer a much wider variety of assets with less leverage if you take this more isolated and granular approach. So that's kind of how Blueberry works. Sorry if I got a little bit in the weeds there, but I hope it makes sense. Yeah. What's the most degen strategy you've seen so <laughs> far or like that has been proposed out of curiosity? One that will be live on day one is uh, Pyrexeth at 20X. Um, I'm pretty excited mm -hmm. about that. I don't think Pyrexeth is too, G too degen, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, but I mean, it's going to be the highest yielding LST and, and definitely the highest leverage availability for it on the how market when we launch that. How does that work? Can you give us a step-by-step? -step? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really simple strategy. So you're just collateralizing with PXETH, borrowing ETH on Blueberry and purchasing more PXETH. And you could also do it with the curve pools if you want uh, or, or balancer pools. I'm actually not sure if they have balancer pools set up for it. But uh, yeah, you could leverage farm it in an LP or just do the yield arbitrage with leverage, really whatever you prefer. Kit, what are you thinking right now? What's on your mind? Um, I'm just thinking, how does it blow up? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's a very direct way to say, yeah. uh, uh, what are you doing for safety? <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. So I, I actually think there's a really strong argument that this design, while you can increase the max leverages, you can increase them because you have the knowledge of the entire risk profile of the trade, right? So there's a lot of arguments that's actually less risky design than, than a fully custodial lending option. Um, like not to rag on them, I think Aave is an amazing protocol, but we saw that edge case with Curve, right? Where even though the LTV <laughs> was set super low, it, it still almost really hurt the market. Um, and uh, 
when you when you can't control the user action, crazy things can happen, right? It's just uh, it's truly the wild west in DeFi. So we have complete control over all the things that can happen over on the protocol. Um, and we actually worked with Gauntlet to kind of develop this isolated risk parameter system that understands these relationships. So I think, uh, don't quote me on this, this might be incorrect, but I'm, I'm 95% sure that we were the, kind of the first startup deal that they did, um, where we've been working with them in the development phase for a while now to create this system that dynamically sets the parameters for the unique matrix of collateral debt and position deployed. Um, so that's been our approach. Eventually, we may uh, take a different security approach, but that contract will last for at least a year after launch, and uh, and we'll go from there. The Gauntlet team has been super great and, and helpful in developing that with us uh, alongside the architecture. So if I were to describe Blueberry, it's the intentional lending protocol. You can lend, like but instead of it being uh, a free, here you go, you can do whatever you want with it, have fun, and that puts a lot of risk to the system as we've seen with other lending protocols, it's no, we'll give you this loan, but you can only use it for these set things. So whether it's a leverage trading strategy or you know, what, when I was doing my research with Bloom and putting it in treasury bonds, uh, it's a much different product than what we've seen out there in DeFi. And have, having this actually like opens up the door for you know, all different kinds of loans in the future. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, you know, we hope to see RWAs really continue to get our onboarded. And I think this is the cycle where, where DeFi really hits its inflection point. And so, yeah, I think every protocol starts with a niche and, and over time you want to be a part of every type, type of lending transaction. And, and so definitely agree with your generalized statement there. Yeah. And let's get into RWAs and we can hop right into Bloom. Uh, what exactly is it and what are you guys offering with your TBYs? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Bloom is a way to permissionlessly access USDC rate over collateralized by US treasuries uh, by lending to qualified market makers. So it's kind of a similar regulatory model that we've seen battle tested at this point with protocols like Maple or Clearpool, where certain loans just do not meet the definition of a security and therefore do not require KYC. They're more like casual loans, right? So there's a lot of a case history around this issue and precedent. And then there's also the Reeves test. And, uh, and uh, so it's different, different treatment by the SEC for loans versus equities or things that they perceive as equities, right? So generally your rule of thumb for, uh, uh, for a loan duration, whether or not it's a security is gonna be nine months. If it's under nine months, it's not a security. If it's over nine months, generally is. And then it's about the risk profile of the loan. So using kind of Maple and Clearpool as a precedent, it's really the same model where all you're doing is lending USDC to a qualified market maker. It's a corporate loan for their business purposes. However, on our protocol, the market maker is forced to over collateralize the loan 102% with US treasuries, which can be automatically sold and liquidated to repay debt. The loans themselves are on a six month term. So you have a loan denominated in USDC collateralized by treasuries, all on chain and verifiable. Uh, the tokenized treasuries are issued through the Swiss DLT program legally with a legal claim if anything were to ever happen to the tokens. So there's even protection against an exploit because of that. Um, so essentially, the, the end product, right, is being able to access near the risk-free rate um, by lending to market makers in a format that feels just like a T-bill, right, where it appreciates over a six-month period, is redeemed for more money at the end of the six-month period, but is just a corporate loan that can be freely transferred and composed upon in the on-chain economy. 
so that's the goal there is uh is allow a permissionless token that, that can be used and composed upon in the in, in the DeFi economy. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, oh, go ahead, kid. No, no I'm just trying to understand. So, it, is is it a corporate loan or is it, is it a a treasury bill uh, asset? It's a corporate loan and it's collateralized mm-hmm. by treasury bills. So it's a corporate loan to market makers, um, and that's why it's freely transferable, right? It's 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 a non security loan, um, whereas the tokens, the treasury bill tokens that are collateralizing it are securities, right? So mm. those market makers that are holding that collateral are fully KYC'd um, and uh, qualified participants on that side of the market. Okay, I see. So the market makers have to bring these T-bills and collateralize it on the platform. And then you as a user would lend out to these market makers, but because they're collateralized by T-bills, you know that they're good and that the counterparty is really not the market makers the counterparty is the full faith and power of the united states government well i guess you could look at it that way but uh yeah (laughs) i would i would say the counterparty is the market maker and and so would the law (laughs) so right but then why would you then accept treasury bill rates when you're issuing out corporate loans because it's over collateralized with treasuries Okay, so right. at the end of the day, it, it still comes to, to that. Oh, it's, it's over collateralized. I'm sorry, you said by 102 percent. Yeah, so it's just over collateralized. But yeah, uh-huh. from a regulatory and a legal perspective, it is a corporate loan to a market maker. Got it. Got it. It's, and you probably w- wouldn't want to market it that way. I was like, you're going <laughs> right. to corporate right. loans, but you're going to charge at the treasury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what are you uh, thinking about all the different? Because we talked about RWAs uh, before. Um, what do you think of the different RWAs out there, the options out there? My view on it is we want to see the world come on chain and you know be able to access composability, the money legos of DeFi, not the other way around and having permission DeFi. Uh, yep. So what are your thoughts on you know, how RWAs are shaping up and how do we get that composability that we know and love in DeFi and have that with RWAs? Yeah. I could not agree more. And I mean, that's, that's really the reason why this product exists, right? It's not like I can give you a treasury bill in a non-KYC format. That's just, it's, the regulations do not allow for that. But I can give you a corporate loan with a similar risk profile um, that can be fully composed upon and, and that's fully compliant and there's nothing wrong with that. So it's the best we can do until regulations evolve. But I want to offer a product to the market that meets its needs now, right? Where this can be compatible with the rest of DeFi. And so that is completely our goal. And uh, there's actually an additional product launching on top of TBYs called StakeUp in the next mm. three to four weeks here. And uh, we're really excited about StakeUp because I really just think it takes that DeFi integration and ethos to the next level. So StakeUp offers a product called STTBY, which you might be able to guess what it is. It's a rolling vault between TBYs are issued every two weeks, if I, not, if I did not mention that. So it's a six-month corporate loan issued every two weeks. It's a unique ERC-20 each time. So STTBY is a rolling vault that goes between all those maturities, almost like an ETF constructed of loans. Or we call it a liquid yield vault for USDC. And uh, again, that token is freely transferable. It's just a product that manages your TBYs for you. And it is always one-to-one redeemable for USDC. So it's not a stable coin. It's liquid staking token. It's more like a liquid staking token, but uh, it can act like a stable coin, right? Because it's redeemable for USDC. 
And that really opens up the world of composability and opportunities. You know, if we have to integrate 12 different ERC-20s to any protocol that wants to work with TBYs, it's a pretty clunky experience, right? But now we just have one single source of liquidity with STTBY. And then there is also a volatile token attached to STTBY called SUP. So a 10% performance fee is levied on the STTBY. And actually 100% of revenue is given directly to SUP stakers. And also the tokens for SUP are distributed to people who mint and LP the stable coins. So it's completely programmatic, non-upgradable, censorship resistant, no governance, no upgrades ever. All it does is this one function of bringing this yield bearing stable coin with true composability to the market and sharing 100% of its value and its revenues with its users. So trying to make the most art, the most uh, DeFi ethos centric product we could. Hmm. Kit, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm letting it marinate and digest a bit more. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna be completely honest. Do you mind running that back one more time? For yeah, me? that kind of went sorry. over my head. <laughs> Explain no, to wait. us like we're we're five. I, I in my head, I imagine this like aggregating different stable coins and different yield bearing stable coins into one stable coin, uh, and it, that makes it a lot easier to go have composability within DeFi. But I could be completely wrong. So <laughs> explain it like we're I five. I overcomplicated it. SCTBY acts just like a yield-bearing stablecoin. It derives its yield from TBYs, right? Uh, but, yeah. But now it's all in one centralized source of liquidity. It's all in one stablecoin okay. uh, kind of function rather than having a bunch of different maturity dates of TBYs. Oh, so instead of like the maturity dates. Point. Okay, that makes sense. So instead of the maturity dates, they're like this one's two weeks, this one's four weeks, this one's six weeks. It's just all in one stable coin. Okay, that makes sense. Exactly. And it rolls between the different maturities of the corporate loans. So it can it can be a much more seamless user experience. Oh, and now, okay. now STTBY can be on Blueberry, right? It can be a, a collateral asset that can be leveraged against. It can be on Aave or Compound over time or MakerDAO over time, right? Um, it's, a, it's a truly composable asset. And then the token spin on it is just a fully decentralized way for the, the, the protocol to run itself, right? Where just the revenues are given to volatile. So it has, its no own, entities. It, it has its own governance token, governance token. Yeah. So there's no governance. It's completely non-upgradable to maintain mm -hmm. censorship resistance, but, uh, but yeah, the token does receive all the revenues from, uh, hundred oh, percent. That's cool. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to so, ask, oh, go ahead. Go just, ahead. just real quick. So, so how does SUP tie into that? So it's just the, it's the utility token for the stake up ecosystem. So people that hold SUP receive the 10% performance fee. So STTBY charges a 10% performance fee, a lot like Lido staked Ethereum or other liquid staking tokens, right? Um, mm. And that 10% performance fee goes to the SUP holders. And SUP is also given to people who mint the stable coin and provide liquidity for the first five years programmatically. Got it. Okay. So if I were to try, try to comprehend this instead of having to you know loan out individual loan to like this market maker at with this corporate loan at these kind of maturity rates in these terms i could just deposit into um stby what's the ticker again stby stby okay and then now stby effectively is a vault that manages like a basket of all of these things so i don't have to manage all the maturities one one and go and now i have sttby and with with sttby i can go and use it as collateral on blueberry to then perform kind of anything i want right 
And exactly, the, the exactly. Why and there's is, actually already a few other integrations ready, like Metronome will have a CDP integration ready, so you can do some looping uh, and a bunch of others mm-hmm. in the works. Our friends exactly. at Metronome, shout out Green Jeff. Green Chef, and, the man. The man, yep. And how do you um, price these things, the STTBYs? Um, so it, it, it's redeemable one-to-one for USDC whenever a TBY underlying it hits maturity. So every two weeks, there'll be redemption liquidity. Um, so one STTBY is just equal to one USDC, and it rebases based on the yield produced from the TBYs. So it acts like Steeth where... It just prints new tokens and adds them to the supply as the underlying corporate debt facilities mature and, and, and increase in value. But then who gets to come and claim that maturity, right? Because there's like there's multiple tranches in this same STTBY, right? So not everybody can come at the same time and, and, and redeem, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I would think of it kind of like Lido, right? It's not like everyone wants to redeem at once and there's a redemption window. Um, why, you know, the idea is you don't really want to redeem. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's better to have the yield bearing asset, um, and, and not pay the redemption fee, right? You could just swap it on curve instead. Mm. Um, but yeah, in the case where there was a scenario where SCTBY yields became very unattractive, right? And people wanted to get out, everyone would be able to redeem. It would just be kind of first come first serve on the maturities of the underlying TBYs. So say it's all spread out evenly, there'd be 12 active maturities of underlying TBY at any one point, since for every two weeks, it's six months. Um, so based on the ratio pro rata of, of, of each tranche, uh, that much redemption liquidity would become available and eventually it would wind down, right? There's always enough USDC to redeem the entire thing, but that's not, the goal is for that not to happen, right? And, uh, right, right. and it's designed so there's no bank run scenario, right? Where it's not a Last man out. We have to sell all the underlying notes to to redeem right now. It's mm-hmm. no. It's forced. You have to hold until maturity if you want to redeem oh. more than the liquidity is available. Um, so there's no bankrupt scenario where you can where the stablecoin can like go to zero like that, right? Instead, it's just making everybody share some duration risk of like the safest asset in the world, T bills, right? T bill collateral. Got it. And and who are in the case of liquidation, like who's going to come in and kind of perform that and effectively sit on STTTBYs until, um, you know, until they need to Sorry, pull in, it out. In, in, in what, what liquidation case? Like in the case that, you know, how I could use STTBY um, for collateral for me to borrow a bunch of other stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Right. So SCTBY yeah. will be liquid. It'll, it'll have curb pools and like uh, be pegged to stable coins. So you'll be able to just sell it. Got it. Okay. I see. So, so liquidation. I, box. Yeah. So I, I have a question. Um, so in the bear market, obviously we saw treasuries, T-bills really take center stage as people were hunting for yield uh, in off chain. And we saw a bunch of different products come on board, but now in the bull market, when we're risk on, we're seeing, you know, more people have a, a different kind of appetite, and wh- who knows what, uh, you know, JPOW is going to do uh, if the pivot is going to go through. Uh, but you know, if those get, rates get lower, then you have less people using. Uh, w- that's less attractive of a product. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, T like these different T bill stablecoins and your own product if the interest rates get lower? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and I think it's one I approach pretty differently from, from other founders in the space where 
you can be a DeFi bank if you want, right? And you can chase interest rates and manage your balance sheet ultimately like a bank. And, and I think that's what a lot of these really large scale uh, uh, CDPs and stablecoin issuers are becoming, the Fraxes, the MakerDAOs, the Aves of the world. And, and, and that's great. Um, but in my view, what DeFi really likes and what works best with DeFi is rather than trying to constantly adjust to the market, to have a product that works when it works, right? It serves its place in the market. The same way a T-bill ETF in TradFi is always a T-bill ETF, right? Um, I would posit that even if Steeth yields went down to 1%, I'd still rather hold Steeth than ETH, right? I, and I'd still rather stack my DeFi yields on top of Steeth than ETH. And so I'm sure there will be other protocols which choose to take more risk and find other ways to generate yield and pass that back to their holders of the stablecoin. Um, my preference is just to let the protocol be non-upgradable, Lindy, grow Lindy effect over time, right? And serve that place in the market to be the most trustworthy yield-bearing stablecoin that you can always trust to be redeemed for one USDC. And so that's kind of our approach in the long term. The, the Ethereum ethos, immutability yeah. cannot exactly. change. Yeah, no, I respect yeah. that. Okay, I like that answer, that's fair. Like, you know your niche, you know your function within the market, you're not trying to do anything else, you're not trying to do anything fancy. You're like, hey guys, we're here if you need it. You don't need us, fine, but we do need us, we're here. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's one way to look at it. And, and, I, and I just also think that's how you, build, how you build really deep liquidity moats, right? You need to have something where people have no concern that it's going to break. Um, mm -hmm. And therefore, maybe down the line, if I'm issuing a new CDP stablecoin, I'd rather pair my asset with STTBY than USDC because I know it's not going to change and it's redeemable for USDC, but it pays me some extra yields. Now my curve pool costs me less to incentivize, right? And so that's why that strategy, I think, is also intentional for growth. It's just a more long-term approach uh, mm. than, than kind of chasing rates and changing up your strategy. Uh, in your answer there, you did mention Frax, and we, of course, are a Frax podcast. So I got to ask... Uh, what are your thoughts on Frax? Uh, are there any plans for integration? What, if there's any integration ideas, if you have, uh, we know. Well, go ahead. What would be your answer? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Frax will definitely be a lending market asset on Blueberry. Uh, I reached out to Sam like a year ago when we were still pretty early stages. Uh, mm -hmm. And we sent a few mass messages back and forth. But I would love to reconnect with their team, honestly. They're one of the few teams we haven't really talked to in the last six months. But have a ton of respect and admiration for everything they've accomplished, especially yeah. through the bear market. And uh, and yeah, I think I think they're working on a lot of similar problems, but with a with a different approach. And I think there are there will be tons of Frax convex uh, strategies available on Blueberry. For yes, example. that's exactly that's what I was thinking. For sure, for sure. Yeah. You know, those did are going to be money for a while. Did you see recently? Uh, actually, no, this was just yesterday that the Frax PYUSD pool. On Curve has $135 million. Well, and they're <laughs> like, and PayPal's bribing on Curve. I didn't mm -hmm. think I'd yeah. see that for at least yeah. a few well, more years. Technically, <laughs> it's technically not PayPal. Oh, okay. There's, okay. there's a uh, incentivization going down, you know, down the line, but it's Got technically it. not Got PayPal, it. but like the pool is being incentivized. I was, I was misled PYUSD. on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but that happens to be PYUSD, which is crazy. Yes. Yes. How cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's crazy. It's funny. I had a, I had some, like a few journalists in my DMs asking me like, Hey, is it like, is PayPal really bribing the market? And I'm just like, they're definitely not bribing it. Like, like themselves directly, but you know, people are speculating, like, 
what is the proper way to like word it? Where like, I mean, obviously it's incentivized, but like who's seen the incentivization? I'm sure if you like go on, right. those on chain sleuths can find out like where, where it's coming from. But yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. I wonder yeah. if we're going to get some incentivization regulation in the next five years. I feel like it's not even on the radar <laughs> of a lot of the regulators yet, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Incentivization just regulation. Makes so many new things. Yeah. Sorry. And it's always uh, funny uh, hearing how the linguistics of DeFi evolved and someone's just, you know, it's like, yeah, we're DGENs. We're going to bribe this pool and get, you know, like, like if I'm an outside or like, um, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Pyrex, a redacted cartel. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's our own little world, but that's what makes it great. But, you know, from an outside perspective, I'm trying to get in. I'm like, what is going on here? But it, you know, it is what it is. For yeah. sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I love to, to kind of pull us back to like, you know, uh, STTBY and NAS, like, who, who do you think the, the target um, users are? Or like, who are you targeting day one as like your go to market cohort that you really want to acquire? Yeah, so I think probably the user base that makes the most sense is on chain DAOs with a lot of liquidity. Um, so we actually have a proposal up on the Olympus DAO forums right now that'll be moving to vote in the next few days um, regarding minting SCTBY. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for them because it's 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 making a model that's somewhat similar to other products that exist in the market, but it's sharing 100% of the revenues that come from that model with its token holders. And it's giving those tokens to the people who mint the stable, right? So like if Olympus Dow follows through, they'll get a significant amount of the volatile token allocation as well. So if you can imagine a growth trajectory of the stable coin where it's equivalent to USDC, but now it's a yield bearing version, but it can still be redeemed one to one for USDC, you can realistically picture that gaining significant market share in the stable coin market, right? So if I can get some volatile tokens that are attached to that right now by minting that one, instead of some of the other solutions, uh, I think that's logical. And so, uh, I think uh, that's been kind of the approach with uh, with uh, some of the larger on-chain allocators and uh, probably our, our main go-to-market strategy for now. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we wrote the code, but it's actually a company based out of Dubai that is technically the owners and operators of StakeUp Protocol. Um, and so we'll have a token allocation for our contribution, but this thing really is it's designed to be its own beast, right? Where it's a truly non-upgradable programmatic distribution Everything is programmatic um, and, and it, it can be something where everybody's on the same team, right? It's, it's completely aligned with its user base all the way up and down. And, and that's its main goal. So uh, I hope it makes sense for everybody. Yeah. And, and, so, and then yeah, on, on the other side of that, you know, the people who are borrowing, the market makers, right? Are, are you kind of lining them up? Like, do, do they just have T-bills on the ready to be collateralized? <laughs> on their balance sheet? Yeah, so the nice thing for them is is they make a free spread, right? And so, uh, yes, that, that's the easy answer, yes. Uh, could you walk us through how do they make that free spread? So, uh, so T-bills are paying around 5.5% right now, and the rate for uh, SCTBY is gonna launch at 4.9, so make about a 50, 60 bit spread. Oh, I see. Okay, so they get to keep that spread all the while still getting their dollars. Right. Right. Okay. But that's what makes it a corporate loan. You know, if you're just taking T bills mm. and putting them into a stable coin, that's a security. You can't have that non KYC composable format. This is a corporate lending instrument 
and you have to realistically make a make a make a real business deal right where no one's going to want to borrow from you over collateralized by treasuries unless they're making a little bit of money off of it and that's why it is what it is and and it's not a treasury itself wow this is this is technically defensible economically defensible and legally defensible <laughs> you know if that's something were to go down wow you, you this is a really <laughs> well-rounded solution this is a really well-rounded solution Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so you were, oh, Kit, did you have anything else? To, no, uh, no, that was ask? good. I'm thoroughly impressed. Take a moment. Appreciate impressed. it. Uh, so uh, getting back to Blueberry, uh, you guys are launching uh, January 23rd. Uh, yes. Can you give us you guys, more details on that? You know, do you have any alpha to share with us? Uh, <laughs> any, anything else to, you know, to share with our audience that has made it this far in the interview? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of ways to get involved and kind of engage right now. We just started the Zealy campaign about a week ago, if you want to go learn about the protocol. And we took like a really big focus on, we spent a lot of time on our like early articles that we wrote on Medium explaining our thought processes and principles of risk and uh, how we approach things. And so if you're interested in just learning about the protocol, it's a fun way and, and you'll obviously get rewarded per the Zealy campaign. Um, however, you can also just participate in the launch. So we launched January 23rd. And the launch will be pretty fun. It's with a lock drop for 60 days where you can deposit lending capital and uh, accrue BLB tokens on paper until the launch of the token occurs on March 23rd. So 60 days after that. And if you want to withdraw your liquidity in the meantime, it's not full on the blast side of the spectrum. Not not hating, just it's not locked up like that. Um, <laughs> it, you can pay a 1% fee to withdraw earlier. So that's why it gives it the name. The lock drop strategies and borrowing will go live a week after lending goes live. And the biggest thing I would encourage, like if you're a big DeFi guy and you like using leverage, you like stacking multiple protocols together, just recommend us like any strategy, even if it's even if it's crazy. And I, I love to use the Blueberry architecture to make new things possible with leverage that weren't really before. Uh, so definitely reach out if, uh, if that's your kind of thing. Uh, what just popped in my head is uh, when we were interviewing Corey from Dolomite and him describing his protocol, because uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of overlap here. How does uh, Blueberry compare to uh, Dolomite? How is it similar? How is it different? Yeah, I, I think Dolomite, so we don't have the capabilities that Dolomite does of like retaining your voting power and, and doing oh, those okay. interesting things. Um, Blueberry can work with exotic assets, right? And, and we have some integrated into the protocol, but I think it's less, I think Dolomite is very focused on like very specific use cases like that that are very valuable, right? Like like the the like the uh, the GMX one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and I think Blueberry is more of a generalized product to like access leverage for whatever your existing preferred DeFi strategy is, but a little bit less custom built for those super specific use cases and, and more focused on delivering the highest leverage possible for the really highly liquid stuff, as well as as well as some alternative assets. Um, and I think also the interface is just pretty different. You know, Dolomite's a bit more like a traditional money market with, with the additional features on top. Um, um, and Blueberry kind of feels like you're trading almost, even though you're lending and borrowing. Um, so there's mm -hmm. that part too. And how does the BLB token work? What's the token model behind it? So BLB token is a fairly standard in terms of its functions, a governance token. Governance on Blueberry is, of course, focused on directing incentives as well as uh, adding and adding and removing collateral assets and strategies to the protocol. Um, 
<clears throat> one of the unique twists that we have on the tokenomics design is using revenue to build protocol on liquidity. So I think that was one of the big lessons learned of the last cycle is if you just uh, spend a lot on incentives, it generally tends to have a downtrending effect over time and, and can really hurt uh, the governance model as well. Um, um, and so the idea is to remove the cost of liquidity as quickly as possible by using revenues from the protocol to purchase BLB USDC liquidity. Once we reach a certain target there um, uh, and reach a certain level of decentralization, obviously the long-term goal is to do revenue sharing, but the regulatory environment does not quite support it yet unless we reach that level of sufficient decentralization. But uh, that would certainly be the long-term plan. The one other unique twist is uh, our rewards token is called BDBLB. So it's similar to some models that have been <laughs> that have been tried and tested uh, the last few years, like uh, Bunny's Olit or uh, Tapioca's, I think, mm -hmm. OTAP, um, but a little mm -hmm. bit different. Where uh, when you get your BDBLB, you can immediately pay a fifty percent fee to unlock it and receive the other fifty percent. But it's not just the fee, like an option. Instead, it's separated into an acceleration fee and a redistribution. So if you were to uh, uh, accelerate on day one of your BDBLB vest, you would pay 25% in stable coins, so in DAI, and then you would also have 25% redistributed to the other holders of the BDBLB in that epoch. So BDBLB epoch will happen every two weeks. And basically, the longer you hold invest, you both don't have to pay the fees if you vest all the way, and you also accrue a bunch of other people's BDBLB that chose to exit early. Mm. So. It's a, just a way to kind of counter that mercenary liquidity and reward the people who are most interested in the long term. Just chill and rest invest, rest invest. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah, I was looking at the OLED bunny model uh, with the options. It's pretty cool. The, I mean, there's a bit of a trade off there, but uh, with that model, it's definitely more in favor of the protocol and kind of wards off mercenary farmers, which you know ended up was a huge problem. And so it's how do you get you know long term people aligned? Uh, not just with your token, but actually using your protocol. And uh, this seems like the way to do it. And I like your twist with the redistribution, uh, the rest and rest, vest redistribution. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a few trade-offs there. Like you can't really bribe gauges the same way and things like that. But uh, but uh, but yeah, I, th I think it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you know just happened today, I know this will be released uh, a week from now, but the, the Bitcoin ETF. And this thing has been, you know, since we have all been in crypto in 2017, oh. this has been the carrot that has been hanging over our heads. The ETF. Can you believe ETF. it? Yeah. It's I know. Still sneaking in. <laughs> I know. Truly I didn't wild. realize how big of a deal it was until you know just learning about it a little bit more every year. I mean, every month this year, you know what happened. I, yeah. can't, I remember when we talked about the gold ETF on this week in Frax and how before the ETF, gold was this you know wildcat industry with like gold bugs, miners, a lot of interesting people there. And then once the gold ETF came about, uh, the industry really matured. Uh, it became a financial product that, you know, diff you can like pension funds, your grandpa, wh whoever can like, just add to their portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, totally. Slater, I'd like to get your thoughts, and especially since you have TradFi experience, your thoughts on the Bitcoin ETF, what effect do you think it, it will have on crypto? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think you know, what are we giving up? Like, what's the catch here? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think you can overstate that this is a very good thing for the industry. It's, it's something that we needed very badly. And I mean, I think a lot of the very common reasons you just, you just mentioned, right? Like, like 
access to things like pension funds that have to be very conservative with the categories and, and regulatory classifications of investments that they make. Um, so that's the most direct benefit. The catch and the thing that is probably scary, right, is uh, the U.S. government having that much control over that much Bitcoin. Like, thank God for proof of work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they can't just 51% attack the network with holding a bunch of Bitcoin. But uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. It is it is concerning that that there is a government now that has regulatory control over a likely an extraordinarily large amount of the supply uh, over time as the ETFs develop. So, you know, that'll just be something we have to watch and see what happens. One of the things that I think is a bit of an underdiscussed benefit is uh, access to lending liquidity, right? Like uh, lending liquidity and U.S. capital markets. I mean, we have the infinite balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. And so the fact that now these banks and institutions can lever up against their Bitcoin in an environment where U.S. dollar hegemony and in the long run is appearing to fall and uh, and inflating more and more rapidly. And this other reserve currency is gaining more and more legitimacy. Like, I, I think it's going to be a very popular trade for these large scale financial institutions to start drawing on that U.S. dollar liquidity and purchasing more and more Bitcoin and uh, levering up, you know, and Michael uh, Saylor. I think that'll happen. <laughs> everyone's so, going to be hearing that. <laughs> well, Michael Saylor got the head start. Yeah, uh, but he, he, Michael Sharch was basically the in ETF before the ETF. And he was like, let me just buy as much Bitcoin as possible. Yeah, and he did. Exactly. He did. He got a nice head start. Uh, but it, it, I wonder what what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen. I'm just going to hold and chill. Hold on and chill. Uh, when you mentioned of, you know, Bitcoin ETF, the U.S. government having power, you know, and regulatory authority over it, that has me thinking about the Ethereum ETF, which when that I'm sure will happen eventually at some point, yeah. but what, yeah, I see your, I see your eyes there. <laughs> like since it's a proof of stake token, what are the ramifications of that? Like, what, how do you see ETH ETF playing out? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you, you spelled it out for me, you know, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> a, it's definitely a concern if you have a proof of stake network. And I mean, that's why this debate was so heated. I think I'm one of the few people in DeFi that actually actually really like proof of work. And I always have, I, I was kind of bummed that Ethereum switched to proof of stake. Uh, mm. I don't think many people agree with that, but, uh, but uh, it, this is why, right? Like I want these systems to be truly global systems. And, and those are the types of things that, that matter. The reason why Bitcoin is designed the way that it is, is because energy is the most widely distributed competitively produced resource in the world and the universe right? Like energy is everything. Everybody is always producing energy for their own needs. And so it's really the only thing that can have convertibility to a global unit of account reserve currency and, and create that competitive equilibrium that keeps the system secure. Um, and so I, I am concerned about that mm. long term. Um, but, uh, you know, we will see what happens. And uh, it is very hard to get 51% of the supply of, uh, of any, any of these very large scale assets before Hell, if there's any capital yeah. market that can do it, it's it's U.S. it's yeah. U.S. ETFs, and we know now that the U.S. government has an appetite when they need to to use their control to seize money, right? Like we saw it happen with Russia and SWIFT, and you know people like to write that off, like oh, Russia's horrible, and sure, but but <laughs> it's mm -hmm. still the global currency transfer system. You can't just steal the money yeah. from your adversaries, otherwise it's not the global reserve <laughs> system anymore. Yeah. Um, oh. So yeah, I, I, I'm a you know, it's, I, 
it's like that meme uh, with Steve Buscemi. I'm a bit of a, you know, a, you know, I'm a, oh no, no, not Steve Buscemi. It's the guy from Spider-Man. Like I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Uh, <laughs> I forget that. All right. It's, it's right now, but it's like, oh, I'm a bit of a proof of work romantic myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I call it. Cause yeah, there's nothing more pure than transferring energy into currency and that's what bitcoin does and yes proof of work i mean in proof of stake it, it has its trade-offs but i do personally i like the uh duality and you know how oh there's like one that's proof of work the others that's proof of stake uh, i think it really comes down to how long it will take for the ETH etf to happen like if it were to happen tomorrow and the ETH, you know ETH has had the benefit of being widely distributed since it's long. Wow. It's going to be, this will be the 10 year anniversary of ETH guys. I don't know, nine year anniversary. Oh my wow. Oh my, yeah. Cause it's 2024. I mean, since the sale that the token sale of ETH. And so if it has more time to distribute widely, then, you know, it will be, you know, better for it long-term. Uh, but we'll see about that. I actually saw something on Twitter today that next up on the docket next to the ETH ETF is actually the Ripple ETF, the XRP <laughs> ETF. I saw talks about that. Could you imagine a Ripple ETF? <laughs> like, oh, the Ripple gets an ETF. Blueberries get an ETF, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you imagine that? Like uh, Ripple going from a court case with the SEC to having an ETF? Wait, what a comeback great. story. Yeah, that would be insane. I still um, can't believe they won the first case, but hey, it's an awesome hey, precedent. For, for, you know, for the benefit of, of all of us. For sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. So for this coming cycle, it seems like, you know, everybody's strapped up. They're ready to go, like ready for liftoff, especially with today with the Bitcoin ETF. Um, do you have do you have any unorthodox predictions? Do you have any, you know, what is something that you believe in that could happen within like the next year or two years uh, that most people are discounting? Yeah, I think uh, I don't I don't know how contrarian this is anymore, sadly, but uh but uh, I think we're going to see massive proliferation of RWAs into mm -hmm. the DeFi space over the next few years. And, and I think there's a, I think it is actually kind of contrarian now again, because, you know, the market rallied again. Everyone's like, ah, fuck those. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, me. That's me. That's like, that's my question. <laughs> 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 Screw those RWA assets. We don't need those. We got our crypto stuff, right? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I think both are going to happen in conjunction this time. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of movement on the TradFi side to start making those things possible. I mean, we're seeing it with PayPal, right? You guys brought it up earlier. Um, and mm -hmm. I really, really, really believe that DeFi offers much better solutions uh, and composability, adds so much efficiency to systems that every asset is going to want to live in this ecosystem uh, as soon as they can during this cycle. And, uh, and it was really just about getting that blessing and that anointment. Mm -hmm. So I think the ETFs are so huge. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I could not be more excited uh, about, about what's yeah. to come that I, I, I wish I had something better. That was a little more out of left field, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's, that's well, all I got. You, you were right. It is becoming more contrarian now than it once was because everyone's like, oh, screw RWAs. We're back. We're back. We're risk on again. Uh, sure, sure, but sure. making our way back to DeFi and Blueberry, I have one more question before we wrap up and go to our lightning round. And it is, what is the ultimate bull case for Blueberry? Let's say, you know, it's a few years from now, you know, Blueberry's well into its existence. Uh, what is the best case scenario for Blueberry, the protocol? Like, what, do you, what do you ideally see for Blueberry? For sure. For sure. So... I like to think about this from a very first principles perspective of how do we win with Blueberry? How do we Blueberry win? Blueberry wins 
with granularity, <clears throat> sorry, because at the end of the day, it's about more information if you want to win in lending, right? The more information you have, the better you can control risk. The better you can control risk, the more competitive rates you can offer to both lender and borrower. And so more and more and more information and integrating everything in DeFi, everything possible, and getting to a point where we can have that process be automated um, and uh, just stay one step ahead in terms of onboarding more and more information into the risk engine such that we can get even further and further down into granularity. And uh, one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is even starting to offer credit facilities over time. You know, I think there's a, there's a bunch of different teams working on this and a bunch of different kind of approaches to this. But uh, mm -hmm. I think every DeFi protocol becomes a bank over time. And uh, the way you win mm -hmm. is uh, by having the most information and having the best control over your risk. And so that's the way that we approach things. Um, and, uh, and over time, yeah, I, I think these things are going to expand into a lot of more traditional lending lending uh, venues too. And, and we want to be at the forefront of that as well over the next three or five years. On a long enough timeline, every DeFi protocol turns into a fractional reserve bank. We've come full circle, yeah. folks. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, but the nice thing is, at least they can actually default now, right? And they're not just mm -hmm. an infinite money hose controlled by 10 different banking families that get to keep all the upside, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Credit's okay. Credit's not a bad thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's just that it's a corrupt yeah. system that runs our system of credit. <laughs> but now we have the opportunity to build a new system build a new world. And that's why Blueberry's here. That's why DeFi's here. That's why Frax is here. That's why we're so, all here to make that world come to be. Uh, but yeah, Slater, thanks so much for this interview. Uh, we are now going to the lightning round where we, you know, take, you know, we're a little bit more chill now. We want to get to know you a little bit more and how you're cool. like off chain and whatnot. So Kit, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll kick it off here, uh, Slater. What was your virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the blockchain, but sex doesn't count? Hmm. Man. Gosh, that's a tough question. Let me let me think for like 10 seconds because I really want to remember this stuff. <laughs> you, know you know what it actually was? You know what it actually was? No, it was basic. It was it was just using <laughs> Uniswap. It was just using Uniswap. I don't even remember what token I was Solid. swapping for. But uh but yeah, I had heard about the airdrop and I was like, Oh, no way. And uh and what do yeah. you mean there's a stimmy of a thousand dollars? And it's a unicorn red. <laughs> and a pink and, unicorn. Uh, <laughs> I think I just swapped for a meme coin. Gosh, I wish I could remember which one. You know what I, after this I'm gonna go and track down my first ever transaction and send it to you guys. <laughs> Bullish. And then follow up to that. What is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity? Hobbies and interests. So probably the gym. I know that's kind of boring, but uh, I've, been, I've been doing no. the 75 hard challenge this, this year so far. Uh, so it's been one indoor workout, one outdoor workout every single day. And I've been doing a lot of weightlifting and then a lot of pickleball. I, I probably Love have the nastiest ball. pickleball serve you've ever seen. Oh, wow. So you don't want to play me. Oh. No, I'm nasty. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Everybody take a step back. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, we, we love lifting. We love exercise here. I love going to the gym. You know, it's Frax is known for uh, you know, weightlifters. And we'll put it that way. Um, a lot of chads in D5 for sure. A lot of chads. A lot of chads. Like Rec Midas. Rec Midas. 
Um, and then Blueberry is just at Blueberry FDN, stands for foundation. Uh, I tweet a good amount, but uh, Blueberry is definitely the place to keep up with protocol-related stuff. Sweet. Follow him. And you heard it here, folks. Blueberry Protocol. Slater, thank you so much for coming on. We hope to see you again soon. Thanks for the time, guys. Thank awesome. you, sir. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to the Post Game Show. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here, as always, with Capital K. We just finished up uh, an episode with Blueberry Protocol with Slater Hill, uh, and we get the whole lowdown on RWAs and learn about all these different fun legal and regulatory ARBs that do exist for those who pay attention and what uh, Blueberry Protocol is cooking uh, under the hood for the world on chain. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? I just want to wish everybody first a happy, happy ETF day. Happy ETF day. Happy ETF day. I hope your bags are pumped and you are as excited to <laughs> well, learn. Well, this is like a week later. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, this is a week later. Okay. Well, I mean, I definitely hope it's pumped then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But regardless, I think this was such a, I was just talking with Dave right before we did the post game here of how excited I am about this product. Just because, you know, we talked to a ton of DeFi founders and kudos to every single one of them for being, you know, a, you know, man in the arena or, or you know, person in the arena. And, but, you know, this specific product that, you know, Slater had thought about, it is so comprehensively designed and so well thought out from all fronts. Like I said, on the call, um, economically, technologically, and legally, it's really, really a great design. So I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, he's really knocked it out of the park with this one. Um, and like I said, during the interview, I heard many people talk about him you, know, you gotta check out blueberry you gotta check out blueberry i finally took that blueberry like ah okay that makes sense that, that it hits so definitely want to get him on he's very well spoken uh mm -hmm. i love his story of how he started trading commodities when he was a young one <laughs> and then it just led yeah. into cannabis and then crypto uh and so you know and you can tell that he's like really thought through the process and he's naturally curious interested yep. and yep. passionate about what he's doing so i can see why people are excited about him what was your favorite um, thing about this this uh, po podcast? A few different things. Like when I had the aha moment about the STT UI. Are you? How do I? I mean, what, <laughs> STT uh, at the STTBY. Yeah, STTBY. Uh, when I realized what it was with the rollup, like, oh, that makes sense. Like you have a different ones at expirations. Might as well just group them all into you know one token. Uh, having that, I was like, okay. And then like figuring out like that regulatory arm, but he, like, oh, it's like, it's, you know, it's a corporate law, you're good. Um, and talking about at the end, uh, the Bitcoin ETF and the ramifications of that and how he was actually a proof of work romantic. William Defoe, that was the meme. It's the William Defoe. Oh, I'm, I call, I'm much, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. It's the William Defoe meme. That's why, that's what, okay. It's funny how I figured that out now, not on the episode, go figure. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that was, that was, that was fun. Uh, I also liked how we chatted about the the ETF bit a bit. I thought that was interesting mm -hmm. to to get his his vibes on it and see how he thinks yeah. about things. I mean, it's such a huge event. It's it's like this is you know, TradFi is here now. Anybody can go and have get yeah. exposure to Bitcoin, and it's yeah. ex it's accepted and under the U.S. regulatory regime, uh, no matter how badly and hard. Uh, Gary and the SEC fought 
you know, crypto still won. But it will be interesting to see the ramifications of the ETF in the future, uh, like what that means for Bitcoin and having so much of this asset under the U.S. regulatory regime. So, you know, but big moment, uh, big time to celebrate as an industry. You know, we're here. Uh, Larry Fink, he does not lose. There's a reason why he went for a Bitcoin ETF. Like once Larry Fink started get going in, then I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, instead of having uh, Michael Saylor at, you know, Bitcoin Miami, now we're going to have Larry Fink at Bitcoin Miami. <laughs> Who said that? I think somebody else said that. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, this, this is a fun episode. I'm excited to see Blueberry when they launch January 23rd. Uh, and remember, you heard it here first. Uh, you know, we're excited to see what they're going to do. And if you want to hear about all our alpha and all the latest updates, make sure you go ahead and sub- subscribe, hit that bell button, leave us a comment below. Uh, give us a like, let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on our socials at FlywheelDeFi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Uh, make sure you go ahead to our website, flywheeldefi.com. Go ahead, subscribe to our newsletter. You won't regret it. In fact, you'll thank yourself later. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDay22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.